Let's talk about microdosing. You know that feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like after a workout or a nice long shower, where you've relaxed, you're focused, and a little energized? It feels just right, like you're in the zone. Well, microdose can help you not only get into that zone easier, but stay there longer. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I absolutely love how helpful these gummies are. For me, half a microdose gummy during the day helps me really stay centered and really fresh as I get everything done on my list. And they really help me relax in the evenings as well and just be present and in the moment instead of worrying about things from the day or what I have to do tomorrow. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code MinaAF for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms, and I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. Hello, you guys. I hope you had a lovely Monday. I am Mina Starziak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF. And joining me on today's show is very exciting. She is the co-host of Money Pit. She's a home improvement expert, Leslie Segretti. And we, I have like this whole lovely document of like questions. And really just what I want to do is play catch up because Leslie and I have worked together and my brain has been broken for a long, long time. So it's like, I could have worked with you two years ago or it could have been 10 years ago. So you might remember better, but what season were you on? It was like one. Um, like one and part of two. So you were there Maybe when it was like a one? real shit show. Yeah, it was a super shit show. Yeah. Um, I it I, I sum it up in a way because the one night I was doing receipts and I think we had had like a twenty two hour work day <laughs> and I forget his name, but we were sitting in my hotel room and I was taping receipts with the lovely gentleman who was helping me organize all of the receipts, and so he was sitting next to me at the desk. And I started to fall asleep. But you know when you start to fall asleep and you're still kind of talking? Uh-huh. But I was dreaming and talking and like taping my receipts. And I started <laughs> I was going, I started to say, and my dad. <laughs> but I was saying that out loud as I was taping my like receipts. Like half dream world. And so, yes. And he was like, um, what did you say? I was like, you know, and my dad said the receipts had to be organized. So that's why I always keep everything super organized. But that's how it always was. It was like we worked the craziest hours and there were so many houses and so many things going on at the same time. And it was right at the start where we had yet to really have like a warehouse space and you had just gotten that one office space and we were kind of out of the hotel rooms and out of like, you know, we were all over the place with just stuff everywhere and, you know, trying to return things and cars filled with stuff. It was just 
bananas. It was chaos. So for those of you who aren't as familiar uh, with kind of like the making of the sausage, uh, when the show started, like I build and renovate houses. And when I stage them, I move the same couch from house to house to house because nobody cares. But when you do that on national TV, international, they're like, oh, God, you can't use why that same couch. the same couch. So Leslie was the one that was in charge of coming in and saying, this is the final product. Now let's make, let's dress it. Like you guys have done all that stuff. And it was, I mean, I don't know if uh, you, I believe, you know, slept in all kinds of random places. Uh, there was a, there was a, <laughs> a long line of people that uh, we broke. Our production broke. Oh, um, oh yeah. Lots of tears. Most people were like, this is insane because it was. And doing 13 houses like full scale and then staging them full scale in such a short amount of time was not mentally, emotionally, or physically healthy, I think, for anyone. No. And I mean, it's it's super challenging. You know, you have this sort of relentless schedule of having to finish everything because there's this production calendar behind yeah. you as well of all these deliverables and a network behind all of that that's like, hey, millions of people are waiting to watch the <laughs> show and, you know, we got to get it by Tuesday at five. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Ugh, and everybody's scrambling to get this done. And at the same time, there's three stores to shop at. And <laughs> you're like, would I already use that chair? And those stores already uh. hate you because you've returned 10 things <laughs> in two days. And they're like, no. And you're like, no, my receipt says I can do it. It doesn't matter how much you hate me right now. Oh my you God. have to take this back. You got me banned from the store <laughs> one time. And I couldn't return a pair of sheets for my personal life <laughs> at home. And Were you like, like blacklisted on like in like the system? Yes. I was blacklisted in the system and I shall not name the store because now everything's back to normal. So I went in there and I was like, ha, I'd like to return these sheets and uh, switch them out or whatever it was. And they were like, no, you are not allowed. You are banned for one calendar year. And I was like, but but these are my person. I have a receipt. And they were like, get out of the store. And I was like, damn it. So when we have to stage the houses, you guys, it's a lot of like beg, borrow, steal, buy, return. We literally pull things out of my house. We pull things out of the office. Uh, We buy tchotchke. We go to Goodwill. It's, you know, we we grab kind of from wherever we can. And the way uh, it usually breaks down is it's this magic that happens in a very short amount of time. (laughs) That when, when, you know, people are watching from the outside and whether it's, you know, the Harry Connick Jr. show that you did or, you know, while you were out, it's it's wrapped up in this nice, tiny, like two second bow on the show. Ooh, that's Ooh. my dog. I'm sorry. Wow. They are alerting. There's a mailman or something. It, it, it's definitely bananas. And you're right. I mean, I spend most of my life asking people to give me things. You know, in exchange for, you know, nothing. I'm like, yeah. hey, can I borrow all these things? But the funniest thing is you have a very wonderful furniture store, Kittles, um, in Indianapolis, uh-huh. who at that time, I went in there without knowing anybody in that store. And I was like, hi, there's a new show that you've not yet heard of, but I know it's going to be awesome. And perhaps we can rent some furniture from your floor and your showroom and we can stage these wonderful houses and we'll put your credits in and I can borrow it and we'll bring it back and we'll truck it. So they were awesome, and we borrowed a ton of stuff from them throughout the first season. Mm -hmm. But fast forward, I now work at Good Morning America, and my boss is this guy, Seth Easter. And, you know, we're chatting. He's from Indianapolis. and um, Oh, I love 
that? He's like, my parents own a furniture store. And I'm like, is it Kittles? Is it, Kittles? <laughs> it is. <gasps> no. Yes. Well, daggone And I'm like, dude, what a small world. So two things. I need you to put me in touch with him about Kittles. And also, <laughs> why the heck have I not been able to get on Good Morning America yet? I feel like I have a lot to bring know. to the table. And I've got an inside uh, girl. Come on now. in. Come on in. Um, I'm and ready. when you come there, I'll be the one that builds all your stuff and styles your whole segment because that's what I do. That, that's what happens there. I love it. Okay. So because Leslie has this like huge skill set that has this like staging design, but also there's such a big build component, again, like with Good Morning America, like if I travel to do uh, the Today Show when we're launching the season, someone builds out those wall panels or the projects, and that's you but that is me what you've done all kinds of all kinds of things so give us yeah so you know my background is super weird and diverse and I've always loved to make and create and my dad was an architect and he always sort of instilled in us that you can build stuff with your hands and you can be smart and crafty and savvy and and make a career of that and so my sisters and I all do something creatively and have done well at it in, in a variety of different things. My sisters are in fashion and I've always been in the theatrical or the television arts in some form of a way. And so, you know, I knew early on I wasn't a performer, although, you know, I can definitely <laughs> be loud and fun <laughs> or so I'm told, but I knew that wasn't the way I wanted to be involved in it. And I went to school in theater and I went to school for set design and I love to build things and I wasn't a drawer, but I could create and I loved to make stuff. And I just started in that capacity. And then, you know, I, it, after college, I went and worked at my dad's architectural firm and that was interesting. And I liked the design side of it. Sherman is chatty today, this dog. Um, but I love the design side of all of that stuff. And so I started to work in visual merchandising and doing really cool stuff for stores. And that was interesting, but that wasn't quite where I wanted to be. And then I started working in theater arts and starting to do prop design and stage design. And so all of that and in college was set design and interesting things in that capacity. But it still wasn't where I wanted to be. And so one day I was working in, where was I? I was working at Giorgio Armani, which oh. was doing window design there. Uh-huh. Yeah, odd. I ended up at yeah. weird places. I'm just going to walk over and let Shermie outside. And um, I got a phone call and somebody was like, oh, hey, we know somebody who knows somebody and they're looking for an art director over at the Ricky Lake show. And I was like, what is an art director at the Ricky Lake show? What does that I'll do? I'll do it. <laughs> And they were like, oh, you know, they do all like the set stuff. And when somebody needs a prop or there's a set design thing needed for a segment, that's what they would do. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. And so I went to this meeting and I had literally no idea what that was. And somehow I convinced them that I could do that because I had a a degree from Hofstra University in set design and like, but I had never done anything in television. And so I went and I got the job. I don't know how, but I got the job and it was interesting. And I did all sorts of weird stuff. And I mean, at the Ricky Lake show, the subject matter was interesting and odd and Some days we had, you know, blue collar hunk awards and I was spray painting a hammer gold and, you know, designing a fun runway and doing weird stuff. What was the weirdest thing you've had to source? So the weirdest thing I probably had to source at the Ricky Lake show was um, 
we, and it was ultimately the reason why I ended up not working at the Regulate Show anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> two things. First was why I was still working there. Um, we had like a plus size, um, like a dance contest, but it was like sexy dancing. Mm-hmm. And I had to find like cages, you know, like dance cages. Oh, and goodness. so I had to find dancing cages that had larger entrances. And at the time, there was a dance club in New York City called The Limelight. And so, like, you learn to call weird places and, and ask, ask weird things. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. Like, to this day, we always talk about, you know, even coworkers, stagehands, people that to this day I work with were always like, when people ask, like, what did you do today? And I'm like, oh, I, I had to source an elephant. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you know. And had to, to be friends with a monkey already. And I had to get the monkey, yeah. too. And then like, diapers it's the weirdest things. Them. Like today I had to rent funhouse mirrors. <laughs> like it's the strangest part of and, and at the same time I also had a conversation with a Broadway show about building a stage in the middle of Times Square and what kind of surface would be best for the dance company. You know, it's the strangest things that go into the day-to-day of my job. Yeah. But at Ricky Lake it was dance cages and then it was ultimately at the time in the 90s, this was the 90s. I've been doing what I do for almost 30 years. Like I'm almost 50 years old, which is freaking bananas if you ask very well preserved Uh, oh i thank you i use lotions yes i'm italian my grandma if she were still alive would say it's the olive oil (laughs) but at the ricky lake show at the time in the 90s there was that song um scrubs by tlc yeah and there was like there was an answer song to that called pigeons and they wanted to do a pigeon pageant and so they were like we want fake pigeons we want pigeons everywhere, fake pigeons. We want pigeons falling from the grid and fake pigeons on the judge's counter and fake pigeons, pigeons, pigeons. And I could not, I could find fake parrots. I could find fake doves. I could find every fake bird under the sun, but not a pigeon. And so I'm combing the streets of Manhattan and I stumble upon a taxidermy shop. <gasps> I'm telling you, I have grown up in New York City and I never, ever saw this taxidermy shop. And all of a sudden I see a polar bear and like a lion in this mm-hmm. window and I'm like, Hmm. Hmm. And I walk in and the guy's like, $50 will give you this big box of pigeons. And I was like, he had a box, (laughs) like a hundred of them in there. Oh my God. And I walk out with this box of pigeons and I'm like, you did that Segretti. Good job. And I set them up all over and we get ready to record. And I don't know that Ricky Lake is like a major, major, like PETA spokesperson at the time. And I'm sure she still is. And, you know, ultimately she was not thrilled and we but ended up not recording that. Real birds. Taxidermied, Taxidermied. birds all around the set. Mm. And ultimately we did not record those segments. And at the end of my contract, I was not renewed for the season. I feel like that would have been very important information to convey to you when you were given yes, the direction yes. to do such a unique Yes, task. yes, yes. <laughs> but meanwhile, I was like, home runs, Segretti, yeah. you did it. But, you know, they're, they're weird tasks and weird jobs. And so, you know, you do design stuff. You do weird sourcing things. You do weird construction stuff. And I went from the Ricky Lake Show to the Oxygen Network, which at the time in the late 90s was the first all-women-run network that was being produced out of New York's West Side. And, um, oh, goodness, it was that that industrial factory in the in the 14s on the west side that um you know today is this a restaurant and shopping sort of center i forget what it's called cuz i'm tired and i wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning every day and um 
it was this amazing network that, you know, Oprah had funded in the beginning and it was all original programming. And, you know, I started designing there and working on some shows. And one day the phone rang and they were like, hey, we're looking for a girl to play a carpenter on a home makeover show. And like, no one knew what home makeover shows were. Trading Spaces had just started, you know, and the only thing out there was this old house, which I would watch on PBS with my dad as a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were like, we're looking for an actress to play a carpenter. Do you know someone? (laughs) And I was like, I don't, but like, I actually build in design. Like if you're in a jam, I could work this weekend because they were looking for somebody to go to Uncasville, Connecticut that weekend and shoot, you know, an episode. And I, and they were like, well, yeah, if you're into it. And I was like, sure. And I packed up my bag and I went to Connecticut with a toolkit and I redid a house in Connecticut on a Saturday and Sunday. And, and the rest is history. And by Monday, I was quitting my job. And, and that yeah. was that. <laughs> I mean, it was nuts. I feel like, because uh, oftentimes I get asked like, you know, what did you do? Like, how did this happen? Blah, blah, blah. And it's super unhelpful to people like trying to make these active moves in their life because- you stepped it, ass backwards into it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how I got a TV show. I don't know how I wasn't fired five years ago. I don't know how that rolled into XYZ. But I think there's a lot to, you know, having A, like the right energy out there, working your butt off no matter what. Because it sounds like whatever yeah. job you did, you were working your dang tail off. And then just saying yes. Like these experiences like come to you. It's like when you're not looking, you find the right person, that whole blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of legit. I mean, it's true. And you're right. I mean, I always put a hundred million percent into every project that I'm doing. And I, I don't think I couldn't, you know, it's, it's whatever project I'm in, I'm on, I'm 100% in it. And that's Mm -hmm. just the way I am. And I think I get that work ethic from my dad. And that's just how I've always been brought up is to just really do whatever it is you're doing with all the gusto you've got. And if you don't know how to do it, you figure it out, you learn it and you get that skill and you do it well. Mm-hmm. And so that's just always what I've done and how I've always, you know, worked to pursue everything that I've done. And and I think it's worked well for me. And, you know, hopefully it's something that my kids see and enjoy if they're not staring at the TikTok. But- so dang cute. Your kids are so dang cute. Warmer, sunnier days are calling, and you can fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. With delicious options from breakfast to dessert, you can stay fueled all day long with easy and nutritious options. Plus, with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, Factor meals are a real treat. I love the convenience and the variation of Factor's different meal preferences. Whether it's managing calories, maximizing protein, or avoiding meat, Crush your goals this May with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 and use code MinaAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code MinaAF50 at factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 
to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay. How many seasons did you do while you're out? I can't remember. Seven. Seven. So you had all this like, you know, creative stuff going on before. Is that where you really honed like the like the carpentry design side of it? I feel like you already had a oh, lot of that. Well, that was the carpentry side of it for sure. Okay. I mean, the design side was something I had always, always, always been doing. But the carpentry side for sure. I mean, I had never, you know, outside of theater classes for set building, I had never really worked a table saw as much as I did in those seven years. Like, holy moly, I was building. They're terrifying. They are terrifying. No matter how often you use a table saw, they're terrifying. Every time they are terrifying. And one time I was like, they don't really mean don't cut across the grain. They do. They, they do. do mean don't cut across the grain. It will fly back at you. Don't mm-hmm. cut across the grain. But it's just, you know, that was really the time I learned every tool, every process, how to build everything. And you really just with repetition develop every skill to build everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I can drywall. I can put up crown molding. I can... I can work with the best of them. I can reupholster any piece of furniture you ever put in front of me. And mostly because we need a (laughs) reupholster. And I love to hang wallpaper. You know that. Put me in a bathroom with some wallpaper and give me a half hour. Mm -hmm. Happy, happy clam. A, I want to know your. There's so many questions. There's like six that want to come out of my (laughs) mouth that are all about different topics. So I'm going to stick with while you're out. I want to hear your craziest like while you're out story. Oh my God, my craziest while. It's always. I think it always comes back to that deck. Um, We were in Pennsylvania somewhere and the wife wanted to surprise the husband and she wanted to give him like a Caribbean oasis in the backyard. And Peter Bonsi was the designer and he wanted to cut a hole in their back deck and sort of inset a pool, but not really a pool, almost like a little water feature. And I remember Andrew and I sort of being like, you do it. No, no you do it because we both knew it was like a colossal mistake. Mm-hmm. We're like, you can't go back from this. We're like, you cut these deck boards. Now you have to redo the deck boards. It's not like, oh, patch it. Oh, it's a, it's a weekend repair. We're like, and the dude was really, really, really upset. And, you know, rightfully so. It was a weird, weird makeover. But, um, you know, there were some odd things. And I know truly that we were to blame for many, many marital fights, not just for on the show, but for people at home who would be like, well, they did it in a weekend. Why can't we? And then, you know, and then go to the store. But, you know, what they didn't realize was even though it was the handful of us on camera, not that there were a million of us behind the scenes, but but like we each had a counterpart. Like, it, you know, if there were four of us on camera, there were eight of us total. Like we had a teammate. We were, you know, if I forgot something, it wasn't me running to the store. I'd be like, hey, can you run to the store and get blah, blah, blah. So it it was, we had help and it wasn't that we had unlimited resources. We certainly did stick to a budget, but we had a truckload of every tool, every material, every, Mm -hmm. anything that we needed. So it was, you know, not that it was unfair or tilted in our favor, but in a way it was. Well, because, yeah, they don't get to see that. I, I Whenever I do home shows, that's what I get is, uh, well, like being cute about it, but like you've started plenty of an argument between me and this guy trying to do projects. And I'm like, yeah, I know. TV's not real. It's crazy. It takes way longer. Yeah. Guys, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, My we bad. like really did stick to that time frame, but 
it, it's, you know, we, I felt bad about it. And, you know, truly it's like, not everybody loved everything we did, you know? And it's like, and when something went bad, like we had people, we'd be like, quick, let's all fix it. Everybody like, we didn't stop until it was fixed and right and ready to go. And I mean, you know, even with reveal day, like we are working like up until I always would say it was like, you moved at full tilt until that person walked in the door. And then it was if like you stopped and your insides all slammed into the front of your body. Cause like mm-hmm. <laughs> you like stopped on the brakes and like you just stopped moving. Whereas you were like fully in perpetual motion for 48 hours. Yeah. And then you were like, yeah. we're done. So it was just, it was always bananas. And we would go on the road for two weeks at a clip and we would do four houses in those two weeks. So you would have a shop, a day zero, which would be your go scout the house, which truly we would, that would be the first time we would all see the house. Mm-hmm. So in the morning you'd go to the house and, you know, it would be myself and the carpenter, which was either Andrew or Jason and the designer, which we had a handful of designers and we'd all look in the room and we'd be like, oh, okay. okay. Like, what do you think? I don't know. I guess we could blah. And you, yeah, you wanted this. Okay. Well, like we could do this thing. And then we'd, you know, make our list and say break. And, you know, you'd go to Home Depot, I'd go to Bed Bath & Beyond and Joanne's or wherever, Michael's and, you know, the limited number of places that you could go to. And you'd get your shopping list and you'd be shopping all ding dong day. (laughs) And then you'd get your little amount of sleep. And the next day you would empty the rooms and start the construction. You'd have literally two and a half days to get it all done. And then that Mm -hmm. was it. And so we would do that twice and you'd have an off day and then you'd do it again twice and then you'd head home. And so it was like bananas. And we did that for seven years. That's so crazy. It was nuts. I think we did something like, I don't know, 400 and something houses. Oh my gosh. But what a resume. Dang. It was nuts. It was nutty. Did you go to the Harry Connick Jr. show after that? Let's see. After, while you were out, I think I did Hotel Impossible. Uh, No, Ugliest House on the Block. Then Hotel Impossible. And then I started doing behind the scenes stuff. Then I was doing, um, and then I went to you guys. Then I went to Harry Connick. Then I did the David Letterman. Um, I did the Netflix show with David Letterman. Who's your like favorite, coolest person you've got to work with? And who's the worst? I think I know the answer oh, to the worst, but I also don't know if you're allowed to say it. Oh, geez, Louise. My favorite, coolest person I've I mean, I'll say present company excluded just so we can, you know, you know, put, squash that. Obviously, I'm probably your favorite, but you're next. I find a reason to love and hate every project <laughs> probably <laughs> at some point. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that happens at every point just because of the pace and the hours and the craziness. But yeah. truly, there's always something to love and always something that drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think there's just always something unique and different and interesting. And I love that about what we do is there's it's something different, different every, every day, day. Yeah. every single day. I think that we are kind of cut from the same cloth in that in that perspective at the very least because that's why I keep doing what I'm doing because it's not sitting behind a desk doing the same thing. Um, and it's crazy and it's definitely not for the faint of heart, but it's oh, no. so fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. When it is bananas, I'll say something like, why couldn't I have been an accountant? But I don't really want to be an accountant. I don't think I could do the math. But it's, 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 I enjoy it. It's crazy. I love the challenge of figuring stuff out. I love having these meetings with, um, 
all different kinds of designers, all different segment producers, and figuring out the challenges of achieving things to um, figure out the best way to create the vision of their segment, whether it's a full you know, renovation segment or a design how-to or just a simple tip in sometimes a minute and 30 seconds and sometimes in a 45-minute format. You know, it's yeah. just, it depends on what it is. And I love the puzzle of that. How long ago did you start your podcast, The Money Pit? Oh my God, I've been with The Money Pit. My God, I started it right before my dad passed away and my dad passed away in 2004. Oh gosh. Okay. So like almost 20 years, like it's been a long time. And it's not just a podcast. We're a nationally syndicated radio show. Like we, we are everywhere. Wow. I should do better research. I did not realize that. Yeah, we're on terrestrial stations. We uh, and at, maybe we still are, but at one point we were the number one podcast on iTunes. Like I should oh. do better research on myself. Yeah, no, congratulations. Know. That's a big deal. No, I don't yeah. know. Maybe so. <laughs> and that's much more like a new version of this old house on a uh, just word level. Like you're actually doing a oh, lot yeah. of conversations about takeaways and learning and you know, helping homeowners, like specific issues, stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we we do interviews with experts across a variety of topics. We do interviews with people, you know, people who create different um, building materials. We do um, calls with people from all over the country dealing with different issues in their homes. And it's interesting because when there are different weather-related issues, you know, you get a lot of calls from, you know, we've recently gotten a lot of calls from California people dealing with the snow and water issues from dealing with the snow. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like you get a lot of those topical things at times when there's something going on geographically, but you get a lot of, you know, plumbing issues, drainage issues, issues with the basement, heating issues, roofing issues. You get a lot of the same topics, but it's interesting to see that a lot of people deal with the same kind of stuff. You get a lot of popcorn oh, yeah. ceiling issues. You get a lot of ice dams, um, window issues, heating and cooling. You know, it's, it's, and we see a lot of older callers. We see a lot of younger callers, first time home buyers, renters, you know, looking for solutions to things that they can do that, you know, are temporary, but still want to make things their own. So it's, yeah. it's nice, you know, and I've been doing it a long time and Tom's been doing it way longer than me. All right. What is, um, just a couple fun design questions because I feel like, um, Poor Joanna Gaines. By the time Shiplap made its rounds, she was sick of it too. But if anyone asks me, that was the one trend that I felt like was overdone. Like, what do you think is like people just stopped doing this? It's not, it wasn't good. It's not good. Let's stop. Oh my goodness. I think Shiplap totally came and went. I think another thing, oh my God, it was totally the Shiplap. But there's, shoot, what was it that I was totally over by the time? Like, I loved it, loved it, loved it. And then by the time everybody was into it, I was like, oh. I've had mm -hmm. its day, but it's, you know, it's like, I still love wallpaper and I know people, you know, it comes and goes, but I still, still, still love it. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a super fan of wallpaper and I always will be regardless of what everybody else thinks of it. I can't really pull one off the top of my head, but I do know that there are times when there are things that I have loved that everybody was like, ew, that's stupid. And then when they're all into it, I'm like, I remember when you guys are so behind. I'm like, you it guys, cool. like, get with come on now. You know, it's funny. I always just sort of go with things that feel right to me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know what I do. Like when I worked with you and your mom and other shows that I've worked on behind the scenes and a lot of shows I've worked on, I'm not even allowed to say what shows I've worked on because I help the on-air talent sort of hone their design style. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of sort of deciphering 
what people's intuition is or are based on things that they say they like or things that they feel they like. Well, you or, have to like put together the puzzle because yeah. people will use words and you're like, that's not modern. You said you liked modern, but that picture you just sent me, that's not modern. Your mom would say things like, this is a house where the lady, <laughs> <laughs> she's saying, please, please continue. Oh my God. I remember we had like kindergarten chic was like no. one. She was like, this is a house where the, the- <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember. She would tell like really long stories. It'd be like totally a woman who stories. in a past life lived yes. in France and now she's in California. This, but she, and so she really likes California colors, woman, but she has this Paris background. This woman one time left her husband, but then found freedom by painting pictures. <laughs> and you were like, go on, Karen. You know, it's no, like, go pick a sofa, Leslie. You know, it was like she had these stories, but in telling the stories, you had to decipher little clues of like, oh, that means you like a certain architectural style. Or like, oh, that leads me to this color. Or, oh, that gives me a hint of this time of year or the season or mm-hmm. something. And everybody kind of has that. So, you know, I think it's interesting. I almost never take on interior design clients. I find it's it's tedious. Mm-hmm. I I want to have the things I want in people's spaces. So when they start yes. when they start haggling me over the cost of like a mirror or something, I just end up buying it and putting it in there anyway and being like, whatever. And like, you know, even if I can't afford it, I'm like, forget about it. It's fine. Whatever. And I'm always very upfront and honest about the cost of things because you know, as a designer, we get things at a certain cost. And I'm very fair about a markup. I say I get it at XY discount and I'm going to mark it up 20% and that's it. You know, I know other people who say I get it at X amount of discount. I'm going to mark it up this much and then this and then that and blah, blah, blah. Or here's my fee and then that. I just say, here's my markup. We're done. I'm not charging a fee. And people will be like, but if I pay cash, do I get extra, extra off? And I'm like, no, it's not that. No, I'm, I also, I'm not trying to don't, not pay taxes. I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> Please don't call me at 11 p.m. to talk about a fabric again. It's here's three choices. Pick a couch. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like it's tedious and frustrating at times. So I tend to not take on interior design clients unless like I know it's going to be a super fun project or I love the space or like I really vibe with the person. But you really have to decipher a lot of what a person is looking for because people don't always know what they're looking for. That's why I'm like, tear up pictures. If you see something you like, just start building a file of stuff. Even if you don't understand why you like something, just put it in. Doesn't matter. matter. If something speaks to you, just put it in the box, put it in the box, put it in a file, make a file. I don't care what it is. And all of those little pieces of the puzzle will make sense to me in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. And I'm going to show you something that you may have not even thought that you liked, but you will realize that you liked it. And that's what mm-hmm. I've always done. Like I've been able to sort of decipher these pieces. And sometimes I do that on these home makeover shows for someone that the network has hired for you know, a hosting gig that maybe doesn't have the design aesthetic that the network wants. And I'm kind of helping them find that. Or Sometimes I'm, you know, ghost designing for somebody. It Mm -hmm. depends. I want to ask you about that because from the very beginning, like I am not a designer. I wasn't trained as a designer. I wasn't trained in construction. I'm all self-taught. I learned so much from you, from the other designers that we had. Um, MJ, who is on my design team now, I think it was like season three or four that we took design in-house. And so we really were 
responsible for it all um, and didn't have uh, someone that, you know, someone else brought in to say, like, help them figure this out. And every design that I do now, I feel better and better and better about because I'm learning so much. But that's because you're trusting your gut more. Yes, that is true. But I, I've always tried to be very transparent. Um, if I don't know how to do something, you'll know I don't. If I'm learning, you'll know. And it's not that way. Like when you said ghost designing, and I wonder like on one hand, it's the job. It's what you're getting paid to do. But like I want to give credit, but a lot of what you do, you don't get credit for. Oh, and yeah. How does that, where does that go in your brain? I mean, it happens almost every day in what I do. Yeah. And so it's just it, it's it's weird and sometimes it's frustrating but at the same time that's the gig a lot of times. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, in my mind I know, but at the same time I'm super proud that it's there and it exists and it makes people happy. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the gig sometimes. Yeah. And you know, it's not it's always not just my idea. Like I always feel like things are out there like in the ether. And like, mm -hmm. it comes to me, it comes to you, it comes to that person. Like they just kind of mm -hmm. like get plucked into existence by multiple people yeah. at the same time. So it's, you know, it's not ever something that I feel bad about or get frustrated about. Like I always feel proud of my work, however it comes to its life. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more like protective of other people than necessarily I am about like, well, that was my idea. I want, I want credit, but I just like to spread it out. Well, and I do the same, like even when in my work now, when I have a project or I'm, or we're putting something together or I'm pitching something to a producer and they're like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like, actually, it was Gary's idea or it was so-and-so's idea. Like I always want mm -hmm. everybody to know that we're all collaborating and we're all, you know, yeah. working together to meet the end goal. Well, and I think across the board from what I've learned being like in this new, this weird world for the last eight years, I don't know, 2014, I think was when yeah, I started, eight years. is that it's like, good God, it takes a village. I mean, there are, there's someone in charge of lunch just because we all have to, someone has to put food in front of us so, so we will eat. eat because we're all psychopaths working all the time. Uh, it's true. And it's important. It's a very important job. And they get, they get very little credit. So, I mean, I sometimes in those crazy schedules, I'm sometimes like, did I pee? I can't remember. Uh, so, you know, I did demo yesterday. So we filmed. I was up at six, took Jack to school at like seven. I got home at six p.m., and there was no running. We had to turn the water off where we were working, and I was kind of panicky because we're kind of in the woods and like I don't have a gallbladder. I'm probably gonna have to poop. I'm gonna have to pee a lot. I'll <laughs> pee outside, whatever. And I did not poop or pee all day. Because I was not drinking enough water because I wasn't stopping. I was sweating it all out so it didn't need to come out in the form of pee. And I don't think I ate enough to push any poo out. And I was like, oh, that was my day. That sounds like it was super healthy. Yeah, you're like, wow, I'm really not doing myself any good. Yeah. Which brings me to… <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So during like during the first few months of COVID, um, it was the only time that I was not in studio for Good Morning America the first two months. And, you know, I'd wake up for our 5 a.m. meeting, and if there wasn't anything proppy that I had to design via, like, a FaceTime, I'd go back to sleep for, like, an hour. And it was the first time that I wasn't, like, up from 3 a.m. for the past, like, five, six years. And, like, I lost 30 pounds. Uh, my skin was amazing. I was, like, <laughs> chipper. And I was like, wow, 
this life is amazing. And then like, mm-hmm. and then I started going back into the studio every day and like, you know, and then I was like, wow, put, put some weight back on. My skin was all messed up again. And I was like, sleep is an amazing is restorative thing. And even like last night, for some reason I was closing up the house and it was like a quarter to nine. And like, I went upstairs and like Charlie was already asleep. Like soccer practice must have like totally wiped him out. And I was like, all right, it's 8.45. Charlie's asleep. I'm like, Henry's on his phone or whatever. And I was like, dude, don't stay up too late. And he was like, what? I was like, night. And I was like, by 9 p.m. I was out cold. And I like woke up at like 3.15. I was like, "Mm, six hours. Like it was amazing. Like that never happened. So after having, I think a lot of people kind of got that forced slowdown during COVID. Do like, you you obviously you know, went back to the 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 rigmarole of the regular day to day. Do you think that is that a, like a choice because you want to, or it's just like I should I should keep working? I, I should I mean, do this. What I do, like we never we never got to stop. Um, you know, the nature yeah. of my show is news driven, even though there is that entertainment aspect of Good Morning America. So I was only home March, April, part of May, and then I was back in the mm-hmm. studio because we were doing some components of proppy segments, and then we were trying to do segments over the summer that were, you know, thanking healthcare workers and trying to get things a little bit more back to normal and things that were outside, and so we were trying to be a little more normal. I mean, it was nice because the studio was more quiet and it was just like very mm-hmm. handful of us, and then yeah. you know by the fall, like. We were back to full production, but not the quantity of people in the studio. But like the handful yeah. of us that were in were crazy, 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 crazy busy doing the work of a gajillion people, but just the handful of us in the studio. Um, so it was just we we never had the break that everybody else got. And people would be like, oh, we're remote. And we'd be like, yeah, we're, we're not. Um, and it was funny at one point. never stopped it, Yeah, I'm sure. And at one point, I remember walking. I went. I forget where I was going, but I was on 7th Avenue, like in Times Square. And it was very, you know, it was still early on. Maybe it was that summer or fall of 2020. And I remember walking like with my arms wide open on 7th <laughs> Avenue and like nobody was around me and I was like spinning. And I was like, there's nobody and I can touch no one. And I loved it. Now it's like I step out there That's and it's amazing. like, you know, jammed again. And all the crazies are out. And I'm like, ah, it's yeah. back normal. And like we joke, yeah. I'm like, I would like the conditions of the pandemic minus all the people dying. Like if I could, you know, I'm like, if that could happen, that'd be great. Like just, I don't want the people dying or the sickness, but like I liked the slowness and the emptiness. Yes. It was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have different stressors, some big, some small that we carry around and that really weigh us down. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to have a negative effect on us. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. For me, therapy has been so helpful, really learning those positive coping skills and to be the best version of myself. I know myself better and how to set the right boundaries that really work for me. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, then give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, and it's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AF today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina A-F. So what is your thing you do? Because your life is crazy and hectic and you've got two kids. And what is your like, what's your relaxation? You're going to laugh. Moment? I do puzzles. I love that though. But that's like what I do in my work life. Like I figure out puzzles of getting. And yeah. so when I'm home, I sit and I do puzzles. I think okay. it's how I keep my brain like in super quick reaction function mode. Like that's how I problem yeah. solve. That's how I think. That's how I look at stuff. It's it's how I see things. But that's the relaxing version of it for mm-hmm. you. Okay. And I like I to like that. and it's interesting yeah. cuz like I categorize things as colors, as patterns, as segments of stuff. Like and I like the super hard ones that are a thousand pieces. I love them. Oh, geez. I've got like the 30-piece ones that I'm doing with Jack. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Oh, I love them. I love doing puzzles. Um, my friend Liz gave me for Christmas two years ago one of those puzzle tray things. It's like um, you put it on the tabletop. It has drawers on the side. So it's like you keep everything organized. Yeah. It's great. I love, I love it. it. Okay. So this – I <laughs> we uh, are renovating my sister's house right now. It's her – so she bought two of the houses kitten. that we renovated on kitten? the show. Kitten. It's so funny. I sent an email and Brittany, who's on like my, my construction team, is in the email and it's I, – I reference kitten twice and we're sitting in the office and Brittany turns around to me and goes, who the fuck is kitten? <laughs> and I was like, that, that's Kelsey. She was like, Huh? I was like, that's what we call Kelsey. She's like, I was super confused. Like, what is happening? Who is this person? But so usually at lunch, we're all just shoving food in our face. No one's talking to each other. We're all exhausted. But we're at Kitten's house yesterday. And she's the most like team spirit, sorority, like positivity. So we're all sitting down at lunch and she's asking the PAs, like, what is your goal? Like, what are you trying to do by being a PA here? What did you go to school for? And then went around and asked everyone, which is my question for you because I thought it was kind of fun, is, okay, you you get home. You haven't really planned to make dinner. You need to put food in your face. What's your like simple, I have these three ingredients, whatever, I'm, I'm going to do it. Oh, my goodness. I always have stuff on hand to make chicken cutlets. That's like an easy go-to oh. that people all in the house love, 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 love. And it's so super easy. And for some reason, my kids are always like, yeah. you make the best ones. I'm like, wow, I Just bred like, them. Just like chicken breasts? Oh, you like – like chicken like, tenders? I, no, I take like a chicken breast and I do like flour, egg, Italian breadcrumbs. Then I put them in a little like oil and then we eat them. See, this is what I love so much about it. Cause like what's simple is sub- so subjective. Cause that's, cause you're Italian. Italian that's simple. I'm like, my, my answer was a PB and J, but I usually don't have bread in the house. So, no, I mean, so it's like, oh, that's, that's peanut easy and peasy. And I always have that. I mean, for me, like I eat a spoonful of peanut butter, like a million, like I'll be at work. Cause I forget yeah. to eat at work all the time, but I'm always going. like, mm, peanut butter. Like that's my go-to at work. But yeah. I make chicken cutlets at home a lot. As an Italian, I have like five different versions of tomato sauce I'll make, which are, I never go for a jar sauce. So I'm always like, oh, I have like three tomatoes and a clove of garlic. I'll do this one. Yeah. But that's always easy. Also, I do take out a lot. Like sushi is the number one yeah. go-to um, and everybody loves that in the house. But chicken cutlets, we always have stuff to like make a salad with it. Like I'll do a salad with mine. Henry always wants it as chicken parm. And Charlie just eats it plain with like a pile of Parmesan cheese on it. So there's always Parmesan cheese in the fridge. And if he could eat it with a spoon, you're, you're doing better. He at the would do that. Momming currently, mm, 
Not so much. <laughs> Just the other day, it was- Jack and Charlie live on chocolate milk. Oh, see, the, the Charlie, my, my Charlie, oddly, doesn't eat chocolate. Oh my gosh. Kids are so weird. How can you be named Charlie and not yeah, eat chocolate? It's, it's, there's a whole dang movie. I know. You have a chocolate factory, oh. kid. A whole dang factory. Sherman. Okay, so we have a question in the mailbox. Hi, Nina. This is Bella. My question to you is, if you were to have to move to a new city and restart your business somewhere, um, renovating houses, where would you go? If you have an answer in mind, you go first because I don't know my answer. Oh, my goodness. Any city anywhere in the world or in the United States? I don't know. Let's let's do United States just so we have some okay. limiting factor Um, So if it were in the United States, I think it would have to be some sort of a ski town. Um, somewhere west, Ooh. like that's like m- my dream is to somewhat retire somewhere in a western ski town. I don't know which. So, and I, I plan like Utah, <gasps> Montana, e kind of vibe. The dog, um, Utah, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, something sort of that western mm-hmm. vibe. Not that I love that design style so much, but I just love that lifestyle. So I feel like I could figure yeah. out a way to sort of meld into that lifestyle, that ski lifestyle, that coziness, and really find a way to Mm -hmm. figure out what it is I could do there for work, but just Mm -hmm. find a way to ski all the darn time. Like that is my passion. (laughs) I, I need to ski again soon. It's been too long. My brain immediately goes to what city I could go, I could afford to renovate in because my brother's been in San Francisco forever and that would be great. It'd be so fun, but I can't afford a pot to piss in in San Francisco. So I, yeah, it's such a tough call. It's so expensive. But I really like Indy. Um, Indianapolis is such a great city. I mean, I really fell it in really love is. with your city. Such great neighborhoods. Um, that Bluebeard's place, my God, I think about that sanctuary oh, that drink so good. all the time. But, I mean, you're right. You'd have to pick something super affordable so that you could flip all those houses and find something that you could really do the work that you would want to. Well, I think I might – maybe I would go, like, hometown kind of vibe and pick, like, something really cute and simple that's got, like, a, sh- a small Main Street area but, like, enough – but the problem then is, like, can I make money doing it? If money was not a thing, then I would pick some, like, cute small town where I could have – like some land. I could have my style house I could build. I could have a barn because the kids are super obsessed with all things farm animals right now. Um, And go like, you know, Laurel, Mississippi kind of vibe, but not Laurel because it's already done now. I also, it's like I always have had a dream to like live in Hawaii. Oh yeah. I would love to just do like, you know, have a a beachside bar that my husband mans and then I just get to I will go to whatever city is warm, has a beach, and lots of independently wealthy people who want me to do That sounds good, too. That's my final answer. And if I had a chance to do international, it would be like Reykjavik, Iceland. What I would do there, I don't know, but that's where I would want to be. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. Um, I very, very much appreciate it. You guys, apparently the money pit is everywhere. It's not just a podcast. (laughs) No, it's not just a podcast. So check it out. Um, Sounds like... You can call in, ask all your crazy questions. Uh, Leslie knows the answer to everything. She's a genius human. Thanks, you guys. Lovely and sweet. I'm like, I don't know if I helped anybody with anything in this hour other than like sharing some weird stories. Yeah, which is always great. (laughs) At the very least, if I can't educate, I would like to at least entertain people, which hopefully we did that a little bit. And it's always good catching up with you. I know. And we got to figure out, get you on Good Morning America. Yes. And then we can hang out in New York City. I have a question. Did you get to meet Ashley when she was there? Ashley Flowers? Um, From Crime Junkie podcast. 
Oh, geez. there was no like set design really build for her. She's just a, a badass and had an awesome outfit on. But I feel like you probably get to meet cool people. So generally, like I don't mix and match with all the celebs that are on the show because, you know, I'm so busy setting up segments that are prep heavy. But when there are celebs that I want to meet, I have to like ask in advance and I've only done it twice. Who'd you do it for? Um, Mark Hamill, who people my age will know that that's Luke Skywalker okay. um, mm-hmm. from Star Wars. <laughs> and he was like the nicest, coolest person ever of life. And I like mm-hmm. was beside myself. And then um, we recently had Bono on. And while oh. – um, it, it he was my late husband's like most idolized person ever of mm-hmm. life, and I you're like a huge Coldplay fan. I'm a massive Coldplay fan. Um, yeah, but Ed was like the biggest U2 fan ever of life, and he never got to meet Bono. And like we were told, like you can't ask, you can't meet him, blah blah blah. And I had mentioned to you know some people how much Edward loved him, and if I could even be in the same room, I felt like I would be achieving some like life goal of his. And mm-hmm. the stage manager overheard me saying this. And, you know, I was just in the studio, like near, like nearby. And the stage manager was like, Bono, well, our art director, is a, her husband was a big fan and she would love to meet you. And he was like, send her over. And so I ended up having this wonderful chat with Bono for oh like several minutes. And he was the most genuine heartfelt human being who listened and held my hand and like chatted and like had real questions and then invited myself and my son to his one man book show at the Beacon Theater that night. And Henry and I went as Bono's guest and we had these amazing seats. (laughs) Like we, I I was like crying. I couldn't even. Yeah, you crushed it for your husband. I couldn't even believe, like I knew that this was like, Ed's moment. And all I kept thinking was like, be cool, be cool, be cool. <laughs> like I was like, don't, don't freak out. Don't mess this up. Don't freak out. Like, and I knew like I could hear Ed in my head being like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And like, I crushed it. Like I knew I nailed it and I couldn't believe it. And like, that was it. Those were the only times. And it was funny. I had had a cup of coffee in my hand and I was so thankful that I had had this cup of coffee in my hand because it would have been like a Talladega Nights thing. It would have been I like, don't know what, what do I do with my hands? Because I was like, it, I had the coffee and like the, there was a photographer on set the day and she took all these pictures and it looked like I was just chatting with a friend. Like it was yeah. all casual because like – Maybe like I a clipboard in the other hand because you were prepared. Like it, lo- <laughs> it looked so casual, like two buds catching up instead of me being like, you know. So that was it. I've never I've never asked for anything else. And like I'll wait. I'm waiting for Coldplay and Harrison Ford. I'm like that is it. That's it. Well, we could ramble probably forever. I know, forever. Um, but I know you were very busy. So again, thank you for coming on. You guys check out The Money Thanks Pit. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. And please uh, remember, call into the money pit, leave questions, call, leave me a question, literally about anything, like the thing you wouldn't say to my face, the thing you're afraid to ask your friend, whatever weird thing it is, anecdote, I really want to hear it. Um, So make sure to check out the show notes because the link is there and do not forget to subscribe and I'll see you guys next Tuesday.